Welcome once again, everybody, to Blockbuster Mentality. I'm your host, Ben. Got another fun show for you folks today. We are joined by actor Tim Baltz. You might know him from Righteous Gemstones. He plays BJ. And uh, yeah, we had a great conversation with him on Wes Anderson's 1996 film, his feature film debut with Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Bottle Rocket. Uh, had a blast uh, talking with him about it. We got deep into it and uh, yeah, just loved hearing him uh, be enthusiastic about it and why he loves it and being passionate about it. That's what you love to see uh, with uh, these guests we have. And uh, yeah, he's a super nice guy and had a blast uh, speaking with him. Uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Blockbuster Mentality and Twitter at Blockbuster Cast. Follow or just go to blockbustermentality.com. Uh, and all of those uh, things I just mentioned are where you can get updates on the show when new episodes come out all that fun uh make sure you give us that five star review on itunes takes you 30 seconds it's a quick thing to do helps us out a lot helps us climb those charts uh but uh anyway here is uh my fun conversation on bottle rocket with tim bolts actually going this is an odd coincidence because um, the last episode of uh y'all's podcast that i listened to was with matt walsh uh the blade runner one yeah uh because i was like well i gotta listen to that one at least yes and and uh and then he reached out he and tim simons reached out yesterday and they were like will you do the veep rewatch podcast with us because your episode is is coming up we'd love to have you in and i'm like Yes, uh, but okay, shit. <laughs> just became like a really busy day. I was like, I want to do it. I want to do it. This is, I'll explain this coincidence to you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Appreciate you listening oh. to that. that. That was a fun one because I really like when, yeah, like we actually, you know, get into the themes of the movie. I mean, I like it when we just shoot the shit and don't really get too serious too. But yeah, the, that was one of those where it was just like we were able to really get into that movie, which is <laughs> awesome. You're, you're <laughs> We're all like you could tell like there was a certain point where it was like okay we're going really deep at this yes and anim- really animated from there on that's great ai and you know all that you know yeah. simulation um with uh i've been asking guests lately because we're we're in that uh, award season right now is uh is uh, someone, you know, as someone in the business, or is the award seasons uh, season interesting to you? Is that have you ever been like an Oscar fan and, and stuff like that? Um, I think when I was younger, just because you know people would would have watch parties, you know, um, they would kind of keep tabs on it. Uh, weirdly, like since I started getting screeners, I'm less into it. I guess. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know why. I probably watch more of the best picture nominees and all that. Yeah. I feel like I don't know. I, the short answer is no, and the medium answer is uh, I bet that I bet that if you're getting close to like getting nominated or something it's kind of a level that you don't understand until you get there. Right. Yeah. And there's all kinds of mystery to it from my position, from my vantage point right now. And once you get there, you're either like, Oh, now I understand and I like it or now I understand. And I, 
don't like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that kind of, you know, that, that balance it's, yeah, I, I, I can imagine it's, it's different when you're, yeah, in, in consideration or just in the biz in general. Like, yeah, that's what I'm always interested to see. Like, is this something you really care about or, you know, but, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, Matt Walsh, like we asked him about it and, um, you know, it's obviously you want to win if you're nominated, you know, it's awesome to yeah. be nominated, but you know, it's, <laughs> is what it is. Um, yeah, but, you're uh, sitting there, you're sitting there. I mean, you just have to be thinking like, okay, I have something prepared. Did I waste my time preparing anything? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Like you said, like if you don't, you don't get it, you have a camera in your face. So what's your, <laughs> what's your disappointed, but happy for someone else face? I right. Guess. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I, I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to plan any kind of face. I, my face <laughs> does what it does. And I, kind of don't have control over it so yeah I, I wonder what would happen it's just like well this is this is what you're gonna get i don't know uh yeah it'd be nice if if in hindsight you were like i was really happy for that person yeah <laughs> i genuinely wanted them to win i did yeah. not want to win <laughs> well they're better they're better than me exactly well i mean it's like if you prepare something and you don't end up needing it but then if you feel you're not gonna win so you don't prepare and then you end up winning it's like oh well i should have done it's although uh, that that makes for some of the best one like kieran culkin's critics choice award speech that was so yeah yeah i know it was like yeah just from the heart and just like (laughs) it was yeah just yeah say 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 what's on your mind right in that moment so um for me yeah i mean i've always uh, lately I've, i've i think i burnt myself out from like Oscars and stuff. I, I enjoy them and we talk about them on the show and stuff. It's just, I like wanted to watch every single movie that's nominated and I'll, I'll still watch all the best picture nominees, like you said, but yeah, it's just like, there's so many and then there's TV shows I want to watch. And it's just like such a balance. So many, so much content out there, man. So much. <sighs> and and I guess I kind of naturally get drawn to things that don't get nominated. Um Yeah. Which honestly leads me to like my pick for for this, uh, like picking Bottle Rocket was kind of, I I think I just went back to like I, the degree of difficulty of doing that in your first movie, seems really high. Yeah, I, in going back and looking at all of Wes Anderson's stuff, it's the one that I rewatched the most. It's the first one that I saw. Like I saw it when it first came out on VHS, and somehow was in my small town. Yeah, um, but I, I, I'm just like even even the seams that aren't quite covered up, or the things that you know may not have aged well, or if you were making the movie today, these things would be different. I can't help but um, have like a sentimentality toward that. I, I, I really enjoy, I, I really enjoyed rewatching it. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there because yeah, his films. I, I feel like I have to be in the right m- mindset to watch them because uh, sometimes I'll just, tr- you know, I'll start one and then turn it off just because I'm just like, ah, I'm not feeling it. Like, I really enjoy, you know, what he does. I enjoy his work. It's just but this one. Yeah. Like I I can turn it on and and yeah, just just watch it. And, you know, it's it's not one of those where I have to fully pay attention i mean not that all his films are you know you have to pay attention but i don't know yeah i just for me i always have to be in a certain mood for his movies but yeah there, there's like a you kind of have to like i feel like someone has said there's a dollhouse miniature 
feel to his movies. Like you're getting shrunk down and you're entering another realm where everything is like perfectly placed and manicured and curated and tailored, you know, which is incredible. I mean, the filmmaking, the, the attention to detail yeah. is nothing short of breathtaking. If you're not in the mood for it, you're probably like, why am I, why did I put this on? This deserves like a hundred percent attention. And it's not to say that bottle rocket doesn't, it's just, I feel like it's the least, um, and again, there's a ton of attention to detail. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's the least, it, he has not, they haven't reached that level uh, of like, um, of Dalhouse miniature. Yeah. I, I don't want to say anything that diminishes it because it really is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. And I don't want that to make it seem like I'm, I don't like the other movies. I, I, I like a lot of the other movies. Although that one article that came out what was it in the times like 10 years ago that talks about his shift when he stops writing with Owen Wilson starts writing with Noah Baumbach. You remember? Yeah. That? Yeah. And that, that totally changed my opinion. Cause then you start looking at like from life aquatic on specifically oh. with that one in Darjeeling where two thirds of the movie, everyone's living this dollhouse miniature life. And then there's a cataclysmic event that, that in a very jarring way brings them back to reality. And, but then like the last 10 minutes, everyone, just goes back to the way that they were. Did they right. do anything? Yeah. Bottle, Bottle Rocket doesn't have that. And I love it for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It has the, yeah, the characters do change and they, you know, have that, you know, it's overused, but character development uh, is, is a huge yeah. uh, and thing. And the consequences. Yeah. Like at the very end, Dignan's in jail. Right. Yeah. And, and even but, if he hasn't learned anything and he's still saying like, I don't know, give these like belt buckles to Mr. Henry and the guys, no hard feelings. It's like, well, yeah, maybe you didn't change and maybe you're not the smartest. You're clearly not the smartest character, but you're in jail. So you faced consequences and right. that you have to respect. Well, and, and I love how just lighthearted it is. Like, it's not like a somber, uh, you know, somber come em- ending where it's like, ah, oh, he, he's in jail and he didn't get the girl and, you know, all this. Like, it's just like he's still hopeful about it. He even jokes about, all right, I'm breaking out now. Like, where's my gra- where's that grappling hook? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is this is, I think, one of Owen Wilson's best uh, performances. Like, it's the quirkiest I think he's been in a movie you know to come out of the gates like that yeah yeah how how crazy i mean i would think like if someone put me in a position where i'm like the first or second person in an indie the what i respect maybe the most about that movie is they are not dumbing it down if you remade that today you could point to so many parts of the movie where crucial crucial information comes out character development information and it is thrown away so casually, yeah. literally as people are like walking away or you don't see their faces, the two that come out the most, that suck out the most to me is early on when Anthony is leaving the, you know, sanitarium, the mental yeah, hospital. The, yeah. and the, you, it's a super wide shot from Dignan's point of view. And the doctor goes, I mean, you could barely hear it. That's the other. There's a couple things where it's like, is it ADR or was the sound just terrible on the day? Right. The doctor's like, don't try to save everyone, Anthony. And you barely hear it. And you're like, that's the that's the like number one clearest character trait about Anthony. And then the other one that Dignan drops is when they get in a fight because he stole the mom's earrings. Dignan says he's like, "Uh, you know, why don't we steal anything from you? You ever think of that? And Dignan gets offended 
turns around, and as he's walking, you don't see his mouth. He says, you know there's nothing to steal from my mom and Craig. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the clearest take that you get from Dignan about what his, like, that's the closest look, uh, and it is self-aware. Um, and, and to, like, the, also in rewatching, I'm like, oh, this is a movie about class. Right. Way more than I realized. Yes. Like, Dignan, there is, it's class and risk tolerance. Uh, obviously, everyone's trying to find themselves, and, and a lot of people focus sure. on that. But, like, yeah. Bob is so rich and from the upper class that he'll take any risk. He's growing yeah. a crop of marijuana plants in his parents' backyard. Like, his parents don't give a fuck. They're not even in the picture. Future right. and just wants to beat the crap out of him. But Bob's like, whatever, it's all part of my life. Yeah. Belongs to a country club, doesn't even golf, whatever. <laughs> Anthony clearly comes from money because they rob his house, but he reveals that like he's sick of that lifestyle and doesn't want uh, like literally went to check himself into a mental hospital because he he is so lost and exhausted with the life that he leads. So he has some ambition, (laughs) but in taking himself out of that class, he understands the risk. He just happens to need to save people. But then Dignan, Dignan is from a lower class. And so he has to assume risk in order to make something of himself. And that that comment, literally in rewatching it, that comment, I was like, holy crap. I'd never yeah. thought of it in terms of class before. And maybe that's why I respect that movie the most. I don't know. Yeah, no, that is a great take because, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's very subtle. You know, we don't hear much of it. I mean, even even the fact of him being in the, you know, nut house, as he is, they call it in the movie, like we don't really fully understand why he's there. I mean, obviously, yeah, he seems lost and, but you know, you mentioned how, you know, he's there for exhaustion. He tells that to his little sister and she's like, what are you exhausted about? You're it's little girls asking, (laughs) what are you exhausted about? His sister, Rosie, when did grace become so cynical? There's so many good quotes in this movie. I know. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. Uh, and yeah, just uh, again, I, I can't stress enough just, yeah, how, how great uh, Owen Wilson is in this movie. And I mean, everyone really, I mean, yeah, um, yeah you got, you know, obviously uh, Luke Wilson, his brother, uh, the guy, guy who plays Bob, what's, uh, I don't even know his name. Robert Musgrave. I think. There you go. Um, yeah. And then you get the, <laughs> you, you get the, uh, surprise cameo from uh james khan is even in this like it's just like whoa <laughs> I, I mean I, I guess like if you score someone from the godfather for your first indie you might have a higher chance <laughs> at success and and i know the story of like the short that they made and how it attracted attention and, and helped you know um, yeah the, i guess the way for the future I, let's what do you what do you know about that because yeah for those who don't know yeah i mean this this came from a short that came out like i believe, I believe two years prior and then it got attention yeah um and it's think- just the it's just the robbery of the bookstore I yeah it's like nine minutes long or something like that which i remember when i first learned that and then i thought about the feature like if you had a short you know thunder road is another great example of like a short that gets turned into a feature that that is even better than the short like that's not easy to do yeah i I think that's kind of i understand how it's not a proven method because obviously there's there's no there's like a thousand ways to um succeed and and a million ways to fail but i to me that feels like going backwards because if you're 
even if you have the character in mind, you have to create so many more characters and you have to develop so much more. It seems like kind of you have to work in reverse if you do the short first and then you're like, oh shit, we got funding now. We have to do a feature. I Again, like that was yeah. one of the first times I gained even more respect for Bottle Rock. And I'm like, what? Well, this was just that section? Yeah, because it's like, uh, yeah, we had an idea for you know this little little scene, essentially, what the short is and now we have to build build around that and figure out why why they are doing what they're doing and all that uh what was it uh, I, I i don't know do you know what was the short uh comedy too or was it more serious because yeah, it's it's like a nine i think if i'm remembering correctly and obviously we could look it up but we won't bore people with like the <laughs> uh, but i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly it's like nine minutes of uh them like getting ready for the heist and doing the heist. Yeah. And it, it, it And maybe, it, or maybe it's just the robbery in the bookstore and then leaving or, or there's maybe there's okay. some stuff that was cut out, but I do know that it's like the bookstore is the thing. So they're in the car and they're planning it. They put the tape on the nose. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, maybe I'm not, someone could correct. Yeah. Like it's been, I've been, you know, on and off obsessed with this movie for, I guess what is 25 years? Yeah, yeah, and, 96, yeah. It's... That's the main reason that I uh picked it. In full disclosure, I would have picked Amelie. Um but I, I saw that you'd already done it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm uh I'm a dual French citizen thanks to my mom. Oh, okay. I saw that she's from the north of France, which is kind of like the Midwest. Yeah. And, and um I was visiting. No, no. I was on my semester abroad there and I went up to visit my family and my cousins who were like older and younger than me were at my aunt and uncle's house. And, and my, my aunt, my aunt's like, what are you guys going to do tonight? And they're like, ah, we're going to take Tim to go see a movie or something. They're like, oh yeah, what's playing? And um, they go, well, he hasn't seen Amelie. And my aunt rolled her eyes and goes, yeah, it's a great film because <laughs> it had been in theaters for six months and everyone talked about it nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, my, my, I love my cousins. They're the best. Um, but they, you know, they're like, they're Northern French boys be like, yeah. you know, my cousins in the Midwest, uh, where I'm from in the U S and, and we went and it was like, they're sitting in, I'm sitting in between them and I'm like softly crying and they're just like checking you know, yeah. their phones and <laughs> not caring. Right. Yeah. Sighing loudly yeah. as I'm like whispering, like whimpering softly and be like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Watching like Star Wars with someone who's never seen Star Wars and where I've seen it a zillion times. And it's just like, does it make yeah. you cry? <laughs> it, I, I'm not at this point anymore. I'm the guy on the phone. Like, just like, I, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. If, would I, one of them make you cry? Which <laughs> of the nine would make you cry? Um, Oh man, that's a good question. Um, uh, ooh, I mean, there's, I mean, Empire. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the, they 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 lose. I'm trying to think of like the the more dramatic moments. I mean, I love the scene of you know in A New Hope when Luke is looking off into the sun, the two sunsets, and you know he's that music playing. It's just always like he's longing for more, and it just always you know gets me a little bit um but uh yeah uh actually uh, one of the more recent ones uh rogue one when she gets uh the message from her father um and uh felicity jones yeah felicity jones she uh just the emotion she's conveying in that scene i'm just like oh 
Oh, it's kidding me. Okay, um, so, so three of the nine movies would make you cry. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure if I really sat down, I'm sure I could find moments that it would make me cry. All right, I'm not the guy on the phone. All right, I'm, I'm oh, weeping no. through all Star Wars. All right. <laughs> uh, but but I, I yeah, obviously I didn't want to pick that. And then I was like, uh, you know, I could, I could pick a classic, but I keep going back to Vada Rock. It just it meant a lot. It felt like the first kind of like hip indie movie that found its way into my hands through yeah my, my buddy keith was like you gotta watch this he also turned me on to brain candy by kids in the hall um had you which, seen this uh had you seen other wes anderson movies before this one or did you no, see this when it Ru- rushmore right. hadn't even come out yet oh okay so you so, you were right there when this came out yeah somehow it yeah. ended up like i got the vhs maybe from like disc replay or something like that. And um, I also it was like the first movie that, that I was bringing to my dad that I remember my dad being like, Whoa, what is yeah. this? Which made yeah. me feel, you know, he, he was, he introduced me to so much stuff growing up that, that, and he loved another classic throwaway line that reveals a ton is um, when they're first planning out, with the Dignan has the map out and they bought the gun and the gun is on the table and Bob keeps playing with it. And then he says that he paid for the gun and that's like a big reveal in Dignan's like, yeah. say it, like, say it again. And then he's like, <laughs> he's out, you're out too. I, I don't think I'm in either. He storms off and he's in the kitchen. So you're just on Bob. So you're just hearing off camera them talking and Dignan says, look at this kitchen. How does an asshole like Bob get such a great kitchen? <laughs> yes, I actually have that. I have this written down in my notes. Uh, yeah. How does an asshole like Bob get such a great kitchen? Yes. I, my, I had to write that one down because. <laughs> my dad so was like, he laughed. He, my dad laughed. Until my dad passed away, my dad was laughing at that. And anytime we were in a place where he's like, someone is an asshole and they have something nice. Instead of being like. Ugh, I don't like this. Or he would just say that comment without singling anyone out or anything. You'd just be like, how's oh, an asshole like Bob? It's <laughs> and, and it made me laugh so hard. Cause again, that's the class thing. It's like, Dick yeah. is like, cause Bob is objectively the dumbest character. Right. Show. It may be Clay, and the richest. Future man's yeah. Friend. yeah. But the richest. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to like the class wise, like someone at a lower class being like, this guy just inherited all this stuff. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Exactly. Dig- Life isn't fair. And that's right. such Dignan's attitude is actually kind of commendable because he's consistently being an optimist. Right. And I love his, you know, sort of adolescent, you know, kind of behavior. Like everything's, this all seems like just a big game to him, you know, and it's all this minuscule stuff, but it's like, oh, we're, we're going to break you out of this nut house and, you know, gives them the, you know, ties the blankets together so he can escape and does the caca, caca, you know, yeah. And has, yeah. <laughs> and the that? reflecting light so he can see him. And it's, it's like, you paid the jan- you paid the janitor smart, smart. It's like, you didn't yeah. pay the janitor. And yeah. Just- it's like. Like he doesn't need the full story because he's creating a story himself that is just like helping him, you know, feel better. Like he puts wind under his own sails in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. uh, He's making the best of it despite being the person who has the least. Right. And And he feels like, like, yeah. And then like you said earlier about risk and and things. Yeah. He's, he's willing to risk because he doesn't have anything. He does. He has literally nothing to lose. So it's like, and he feels like this is the only way, you know, to get ahead. And, um, and, 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 but, but I love that they're able to do it in such 
a comedic and lighthearted light, you know, it's not like you don't necessarily feel sorry for him. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just the, it's just the situation they're in. And this is, this is how it, how it plays out. And, and I love the, like I said, the minuscule little task they do, like they do, they rob uh, Anthony's parents' house just as like a practice run. <laughs> and the, the big heist they do is, is robbing a bookstore and get like 500 bucks <laughs> for yeah. that. It's yeah, like, yeah. And then it's a cold, like, a cold storage facility. Yeah, yeah, it's like okay, that's <laughs> yeah. There's Why? nothing. There's there's one safe. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. How much? Yeah, how much cash would be at a cold storage facility? Like, there's not uh, customer right. exchange there. You wouldn't think so, and stuff and, like and that. And we never find out. There's so <laughs> right. many things in the yeah. movie that we never find out about, which I think is like the opposite of pandering. You're forced to put all these things together. Yeah. And at the, like we never also Mr. Henry James Conn's whole character and their crew, we see that party where where you know everyone it's like right before the the big cold storage robbery, and everyone's hanging out and there's all these like kind of ritzy people, but it seems like they're not in a big town in Texas, right? Who are these people? Yeah, he's so connected, but he's a thief, and, right? And it, you never quite get his whole backstory. And I really think if something like this were made today. There are so many parts of the movie that would be over-explained to not pander, but like make an audience feel safe. Like at the yeah. beginning, you'd see a doc. Anthony would be sitting across from a doctor, and the doctor would be like, "Anthony, you have a desire to save people. You don't. You need to not do that. Are you feeling exhausted because you checked in here for exhaustion?" And Anthony'd be like, "No, I'm feeling better. I got to go do something now." And then he'd mm. escape, and maybe he'd get caught, maybe he wouldn't. But like. Yeah, there'd be these little exposition lines, you know, to, yeah. to fill and Mr. in. Mr. Henry, someone would have their phone out and they'd be like, you know, I Googled him and like, you can't find yeah. anything. Or I found a couple things like that. Like they would just explain it to make an audience feel safe. And this just like barrels through. And, and I don't know if it's like, you know what it feels like? Have, have, you, have you read Confederacy of Dunces? I can't say I have. So that's Tell John me Kennedy it. tools, like, you know, uh, like ultimate posthumous uh, work. Of okay. Art and, and it's this great, you know, novel that's set in New Orleans. And it's this really heralded work. Um, but he committed suicide and, and it wasn't published until his mom found the manuscript and published it after his oh, death. Oh, wow. Like yeah. 10, years, 10 years after his death or something like that. Right. And then after that, they found this this other manuscript that he was going to submit to a contest when he was fit that he wrote when he was 15 and it's called the neon Bible and it's raw and it's not as structured as Confederacy of Dunces, but the, the, I mean, the, the prose is there, the, the, all the brilliance and talent is there. And it feels like that, that feels like a parallel bottle rocket is, is better than neon Bible. But yeah, I'm trying to say is I can't tell like how much of this was a first time feature filmmaker um, finding himself and how much of it was writing with Owen Wilson and purposefully being like, don't tell them that we don't need to do that. We just need one line about this. It's enough to explain this character or this dynamic move on. Yeah. I don't yeah. like, I yeah. Like, know. yeah, don't no, Definitely. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. Do I, 
explain this further do we just trust the audience and that's what like you were saying with pandering like it's it's like I love when filmmakers trust the audience and to be, you know, put put the dots together. It's like not everything has to be spoon fed to us. Like we 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 can figure it out. Uh, you know, there's some, you know, there's you know, casual film watchers who just, you know, just no, just give, I want to know exactly what the story is and I, I need to know. But yeah, I like how this is. It's very yeah, non pandering and and yeah, you, you can put them together like like with you know luke wilson with the the nut house you you then realize that you know he's obviously been longing for for something when he meets um inez you know the uh the housekeeper at the motel and you know the is this this seems like that was that missing thing you know for him and owen wilson he's been longing to have a higher status and you know he might be going about it the wrong way but uh it's it, that that's what what he's longing for and then bob he's seems like the relationship with his brother is what is the theme regarding his character yeah um, he wants acceptance from his family and yeah anthony's lost directionless and wants like he, you know love is the answer to him and dignan wants you know he wants a he wants a team he wants identity he wants to feel like you know, he's on the path to success with someone. And again, right. again, class-wise, that's like you can't survive alone if you're from the lower class. Like you need community, you need a team. Whereas Bob, like Bob has no direction, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And it isn't until the end where he's like, I guess I want my family because that's the thing that he'd been lacking. And Anthony wanted direction and love was the thing that was providing it. It all feels like it's endearingly, well, compared to his other movies, you someone might like, you know, oversimplify and be like, it's, it's not complete. You know, it's, it feels incomplete compared to the other movies where the resolutions are all very like, you know, like you think of Tenenbaums, like that, yeah. the, like everyone uh, by Van Morrison playing at the end. And you're like, Oh, all the threads have come together. Yeah. Found some resolution. And even if there isn't resolution, it's like, really there's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas bottle rocket has like, it's maybe it's his most like human. Right. Movie. Uh, because the 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 Dahas miniature feel isn't there yet, and the and and there's there's less explanation and there's right. less resolution, or even the resolution is like, well, they're not out of the woods. Like Anthony's dating Inez, like they just slept together. How many relationships do you know work after that? Is the beginning right. point? <laughs> yeah. And well, Bob, yeah, and it's like Future Man's going to keep beating the shit out of you and Dignan. You have a record now. Like you're fucked. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're. You're not going anywhere. You, the, oh. I think you said one month. One month down. Twenty three to go. Like it's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, even you know, it seems like yeah, if this movie were made today or something like, uh, you know, when he found out that Inez did does love him you know he would have went off to her and they would have rode off into the sunset together but we actually never see her again after he calls her and confirms with her that uh um she's she does love him Yeah. yeah and it's really about these three guys and their 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 friendship and each one of them has to kind of resolve for themselves what 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 they need you know and it and, and and I appreciate that Owen Wilson doesn't really see him being in in prison as a as a loss. You know, it's it's just yeah. He uh, has he has like 
meaning now. Like he has an identity. He gets, yeah. to, he's like proud of the fact that he's in jail, which also coming from my hometown, I was like, Oof, that always hit too close to home. Cause yeah. that was also about the time when like people were kind of joining gangs in my hometown or, okay. or some, some people were finding identity in, in the beginning of a path where you're like, this is not going to turn out good. But where is, like, where is that hometown? Uh, Joliet, Illinois. Okay. Is that, uh, town. I see you wearing some, some Michigan gear. Yep. Yep. Michigan, Detroit, yeah. Michigan, or nice. uh, from Detroit it, suburbs, you know, suburban, yeah. but, uh, in Tampa, Florida now. So, oh, um, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, weather's good. Um, other, <laughs> other things Michigan. suck, but <laughs> yeah, it's not Michigan weather though. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, Juliet's like a tiny Detroit. Uh, okay. With no suburbs really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a couple like farming communities outside, but it's not a Chicago suburb. Like, okay. Is. So it's, the suburbs have grown to meet it. Um, yeah. but growing up, it was, it was a prison town, um, you know, bottomed out steel mill town. Yeah. There were you know, four active gangs. Um, wow. When you're, you know, leaving junior high, going into high school, that's when different people have, when you, when you look up, right. Cause we have, you know, obviously a vertically inclined society, people would look up and if the examples above you have a low ceiling, you don't, you need the imagination to dream past that. And, yeah. You know, not everyone has that no matter what class you're in. But I would see a lot of people growing up that, I mean, this is all in hindsight, obviously. Right. But you'd be like, where's so-and-so, you know? And you're like, ah, yeah, they, they dropped out or like they're in this gang or like they moved with their dad to this other town because they got in trouble with blah, blah, blah. And Oh, man. Yeah. that's. And, but then you would run into people and they'd be like, you know, I'm like, I'm somebody. I, I did time. And yeah. to them, that was identity. That right. was like. Like this is, this is me and it means something and it might mean a negative thing to you, but it's a positive thing to me. And that, and obviously like, yeah, they didn't do hard crime. They robbed a cold storage facility, but that, (laughs) that part of Dignan really was like a little chilling and resonated really strongly, despite the fact that he's laughing it off and they're eating burgers and he's giving them belt buckles. Uh, he has uh, what's the disease they say that he has? Uh, CRS. CRS. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, can't crap. remember shit. Can't remember. You got shit. it now. Yeah. You got CRS right now. I do. I, I literally had CRS uh, momentarily. CRS. Uh, so there we go. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. Like the the status thing. Like because yeah, you know, growing up in school or something. If, if you know, you got detention, someone be yeah, I got I got detention. Like it's a, almost like a bragging thing. Like yeah. oh, he must be cool because he breaks the rules and and all that. How uh, how did how did you you get kind of get out of that? in in your hometown like what uh, was just your ambition of of being uh in in showbiz or no i mean no i knew i knew my same buddy keith who introduced me to to these movies also introduced me to improv because his his older stepbrother was doing it in chicago and was going to college in chicago yeah so we would go up once or twice a year when i was in high school and it just, I saw it, went to like Improv Olympic and it just, I mean, it blew my mind. So I was like, I, I want to be there, but I was a homebody. 
and my sister was older, so I I knew what colleges we couldn't afford. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. so I I was already like, well, I gotta I can only apply to schools that will that will essentially give me a full ride, which limited my options because most schools, you know, they don't even if it's yeah, ride, you still owe like seven grand a year, which we couldn't afford. So I ended up at Loyola in Chicago, kind of to do improv, but. The main thing, I was a homebody. I would have gone back home to while figuring things out. And my dad was just straight up like when I was like a junior or senior in college was like, you're not coming back here. Yeah. So that's you, you're just not like, yeah, if you like if you try to come back, you don't have a place to stay in our house. Oh, and man. It's like, oh, uh, <laughs> and it was it didn't. That, that was for like, protection, right? I mean, that was yeah. for your. Yeah. Was like, yeah. I don't want this for you. You're not coming yeah. back here. And yeah. And that, but I still, like, I still loved it. I would come home on the weekends and visit and hang out with friends. And, um, and I still love it. I, I adore my hometown. I, I memorized every corner of it. I think it's, yeah. it's got so much character. Uh, Are your parents still out there? Oh, I'm sorry. You said your dad passed. Oh yeah. Do you have, fa- yeah, do you have family? Mom. Yeah. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of like, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I really do. I really do love it. I think yeah. it's. When you get to know places like that, like it takes a lot of judgment out of you because like things move slowly and yeah. people live differently and that's okay. And there's a lot of good people in all kinds of places. I'm sure you know yeah. that in Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, sometimes, yeah, it's just about a lot of times it's just, yeah, just uh, dealing, dealing the card you're dealt, uh, you know, yeah. sort of thing. It's yeah, it's, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, to, you know, you, you, you didn't get involved in, in, in too many things and were able to, uh, I, wasn't, I, I, I don't know if you could tell I wasn't exactly the prime target for gang recruitment. Yeah. You know, I, you never know, you know, you could have been like a decoy, you know, or, or something. Yeah. I'm sure I was without knowing it, but, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, I'm sure I was, but like, I, yeah, I, I, I don't, you know, it's kind of a satiric little punk yeah kind of smart ass because uh you know i wasn't i wasn't big enough to be a smart ass yeah <laughs> but i my main thing was like i just wanted to make everybody laugh and so yeah you know, I, I wasn't i just i i didn't have the nerve to join a gang you know maybe if i had i would have who knows yeah you never know i mean if I mean, maybe now, you know, maybe, maybe you've built time. up ah, enough courage yeah. to, 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 <laughs> to join, a, join gang. a gang at 40. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, it's always fat that there are a couple other things that like, I, I, I definitely want to touch on and, and want to hear your take on it. Uh, the first one is probably like, I think the, I, I rewatched this once a year, but I think the last couple of years, every time I, I started and I get to this point, I get, there's, I have a little tension in me for how, and then it goes away and I'll explain why there's a little tension in me for how Anthony and Inez get together. Okay. Which I, I think if you were remaking it today, you probably wouldn't have a guy following around house, housekeeper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably not. It's... Maybe you would, maybe you would do it differently probably. But, and, but that like, you know, your spidey sense, your 2022 spidey sense, like pops up a little bit, but exactly. Yeah. But then she fucking bodies him when they're trans, when Rocky's translating and, and she says that he's trash in the wind. 
So all of a sudden, and, and this is, I think this is the beauty of also not pandering, not trying to explain everything and make everything so safe in that movie and letting it play out is maybe it seems like Anthony was taking advantage of her and her position. But by the end, it's like, Inez was like, I'm going to fuck this piece of meat. Cause I know he's going to check out in a couple days. And this, this town is a little boring. I go to that bar, I meet the same old people and like, yeah, I'm going to have fun with this dude. And then when he tries to say that we're in love, she's like, you're a piece of trash floating in the wind, dude. Yeah. I mean, that is a fucking body slam. Yeah, the agency that's... that they give her in that moment, but you have to wait for it is I think pretty impressive and kind of ahead of its time. That's my take. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a punch in the gut. You know, because you, you're you're definitely not expecting that. I mean, the the translator, you know, does say uh, to try to smooth it over. It sounds sounds better in Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like trying to <laughs> trying to make it seem, you know, like it's you know, she she didn't mean it that way. But yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely you know a punch in the gut. Uh, so the the tension part you're speaking of. So is it mainly that it, it's kind of. Um, uh, that he's following her around and, and that like that, that's the tension part for you. Like yeah. Like, her, yeah. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I'm not, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if I saw something that came out today that was, I wonder how people would react to it. Yeah. Yeah. Not that's that, like, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't do that every time I watch movies, but with a movie that I cherish so much. I right. That. It's hard, yeah, especially when you watch movies now, yeah, with, with like you said, 2022 lens, you know, you're watching it with. So it's like, it's it's different now. But for me, I, I think it was handled well. At first, you're, it's kind of like, is this going to get a little creepy or whatever? Like, is he coming on a little too strong? But I, th- I, w- I watched it uh, last night, you know, as a refresher, and I, I feel... Like I said, it was it was handled well. I think he, you know, slowly went about it, just tried to get to know her a little little bit and helped her out with the the, the with the laundry and, and the folding of the clothes and all that. Like that kind of lessened the like you know, creepiness of it. Um for yeah, me. He's just he's just lost. He's directionless. He doesn't yeah. know what else to do, so he's doing that. It, yeah. it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you've gone back and watched Cheers, but Cheers is kind of ahead of its time. Like Cheers, like misses very rarely with its like it's the way that they present certain people. Like yeah. However, they'll make Sam the bad guy in Act One. They'll he'll do something even worse and double down in Act Two, and they'll really wait until the end of Act Three to have him redeem himself and learn something. And I think yeah. now, I think these days, people are are really worried about it. And so they hedge their bets in act one and in act two. And so the resolution in act three or the lesson that the characters learn in act three, whether it's TV or film is not as potent because you haven't seen them do something wrong, make it worse and then learn the lesson. It's like they do something wrong. They're kind of like, but I'm not a bad guy. And then in act two, they're like, it could get worse. But again, like my heart's in the right place. And then right. Act three, they're like, I learned something. It's like, well, you kind of knew the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, they they don't go down that too dark of a, you know, whatever they did. Like it doesn't it's just like, you know, something something a little minor and, you know, and then they then they learn. Um I mean, yeah, I mean, righteous gemstones, you know, covers covers that. I think very well. You know, they they <laughs> they're master, Yeah, they're masterful at that. And yes. they're, they're so 
underrated for that. They have been the entire time. Yeah. They have been yeah. for 15 years and they don't get their credit for that. Right. Yeah. It's wild how under, how are they so popular and underrated? <laughs> I I don't know how that works. Yeah. That's yeah. uh <laughs> every that, once in a while as a fan, I'll just be like around and be like, holy shit, I'm here. I'm on yeah. like in one of their shows. It's fucking wild. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I bet, man. Um I I just uh showed uh we'll get back to Bottle Rock in a second. I just want to talk oh, about yeah, you yeah. a little bit. Um but uh showed my wife a clip. I totally forgot it was you who was in it. Uh Better Call Saul uh, the whole oh, the, uh, toilet. Yeah. the toilet. Oh my goodness. What a what a green <laughs> scene. Were you a a Breaking Bad fan before that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so was that like amazing cool. to get that call? Like <laughs> Yeah, and and Odenkirk, like just a scene with Odenkirk, you know, who has Chicago roots and was at Second City and um, you know, would come through Second City and like watch shows in the, you know, late two thousands, early twenty tens when I was doing shows in Chicago and Second City. So that was I mean, that was obviously it was really cool. Also yeah. Two things. One, that's the most fun audition I've ever had because I got the email and they're like, you're auditioning for Better Call Saul. And I was like, oh, cool. Wow. This, the spinoff. Like, I can't believe this is yeah. this, like, because there was a lot of hype. Most spinoffs kind of get like shit on when they first get announced. And that was the first one that I remember people being like, fuck, yes, it's going to be <laughs> awesome. So I get that email. I'm like, oh, cool. And then I scroll down. And before I read the sides, it was like, please also prepare a voice for the to- talking toilet. I'm like, what? <laughs> I click on the script and I'm like reading down and I like get to the toilet part and I'm like, oh, oh cool. So when I was auditioning, I went in and I'm re- and I'm doing the scene and then they had me step off camera and I, I would be like, <laughs> they had me step off camera and, and be like, uh, gosh, you're big. Oh, you're so big. And the, and the cat, Bialy Thomas casting, they're just behind the camera and they're laughing. I was like, is that okay? And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. <laughs> And then I got, and it was all, it was weird. Like the ones that you get sometimes, Gemstones is the same way, where I looked at the script and I'm just like, oh, well, I, well, it's clear. It's clear to me why it's funny. So here's yeah. how I would do it. And maybe that's not happening to other people. It definitely, sometimes you get a script and you're like, I don't, I don't get why this is funny. I don't have a take on this. I'll do my best. But that one, I was like, well, I know how to make it funny. Here's my thing. Take it or leave it, you know? And then you get it and you're like, it's not you just feel like, yeah, that feels right. I did a yeah. good job. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not arrogant. It's just straight up like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Sometimes you'll do well and you won't get it. And you're like, huh, that's weird. I thought yeah. That's <laughs> what happened there. Yeah. It's yeah. Like that's 2% of the time when you're like affirmed for your choices. But <laughs> the other thing is when we were doing it, the, the third take in the, the super wide one of the the grommets, or is that what they're called? The little the 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 steel grommets on the tarp, right? They're called grommets, right? Uh, gr- yes, grommets. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Whatever. I forget what they're called. <laughs> uh, I'm, as I'm pulling the tarp off, a total fluke. I mean, like a one in a million chance. It caught. I mean, those things are like this thick, right? Yeah. And the, and the tarp is like that thick, so there's barely any of it sticking out. Caught the top of the toilet. Like the the, the right. cover right at the, on the on the tank, caught it, and I I'm just supposed to whip the tarp off. I did it two times. Third time, whip the tarp off. It flips 
the top of the toilet tank off and it shatters on the ground. Oh my God. And uh, they didn't have another toilet. Oh geez. <laughs> and, and Bob knew what that, what the problem was. Cause everyone's like, fuck, fuck, you gotta be yeah. kidding me. And, and he's like, they should have taped it down. He grabs me like in one motion. He grabs me, puts his armor on my shoulder, walks, starts walking me out of the garage and goes, it's not your fault. It's not even your fault. Yeah. Which if you're a guest star, it That's... could go, it could easily go the other way. Yeah. Someone, someone could be like, what the fuck? All right. Yeah. I'm going to my trailer. Call me when this is fixed. Cause it took them an hour to drive around Albuquerque and find a replacement toilet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because we'd already established the why that they had to match it. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. They, they had to find the right. I was going to say, there's not like a home Depot you can go to real quick around there, but yeah, I well, guess it like, had to be they, this. They specific... went to a home Depot and they didn't have it. So they had to go to yeah. Lowe's that didn't have it. And, like, and then, you know, they're still driving. So, oh man, it was a mess. And then he just took me outside at whatever house we were filming. And we sat on this like, you know, little porch area, coffee table and and just talked about like chicago for an hour until and that's awesome the toilet and was like all right look here we go yeah no and, that's great for yeah the lead actor to be doing that and like making you feel at ease like you know making sure happens. that because like what if i if everyone like gets pissed at me my confidence is going to crater you're a guest star right like the hardest job on shows like that honestly is the guest star once the show is up and running the main characters largely know what's going on. There are challenges. Yes. But like the guest actors are coming in trying to guess the tone. Sure. Yeah. And, and if they've made a choice and they show up and that's not the right choice, it is tough to hear someone be like, Nope. Yeah. You got to do something different because you're like, fuck, I booked it. I'm here. I prepared. And now right. I'm told to do something different. It can really shake you up. And yeah. Cause you don't have that chemistry, you know, that they've yeah. already built with each other. You know, it's yeah, that's, you don't have yeah, that, I, like that, you know, vocabulary that like that fluency in the language of like the small talk of like, no, no, try this, try this yeah. the comfort of knowing it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. So I, I really like, I was, so appreciative of that. That was, really, I'm sure that's I, awesome. Yeah. Great. Learned from it too. If there's a guest star who's like nervous. Yeah. Don't leave them hanging. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to help if you're like this fucking idiot. It's right. going to help if you're like, even if they're not doing a good job, it's going to help if you're like, good job, good job. Yeah. You boost their confidence and then they'll make a different choice. And then you're like, there we go. Exactly. It's only going to help everybody rather than, yeah. It's like, yeah. like it, you could then screw up scenes and it's just going to take longer. And it's just like, no, just, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's only going to help if, if you're just supportive and just move on. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do this team. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> who, who directed that episode? Do you remember? I'd have to go back and look. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll look, I'll look, yeah. but, uh, she, she um, was wonderful. Um, she, yeah, she was fantastic. And she wasn't upset, you know, it was more like, yeah. like set deck and, and props people that are like knew that they were fucked. And no, no one wants to be the person who's it. It didn't fall on anyone's shoulders. It was just those moments are when you literally to, or metaphorically, like the toilet didn't fall on anyone's shoulders. And yeah. <laughs> yes, yes okay. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, now you were mentioning how you know Inez you know says she's a uh, 
he's trash uh blowing in the in the wind or whatever i i got uh crs again um crs is that the word did yeah, i forget can't, again can't remember shit <laughs> can't remember shit there we go crs Tell um Henry I said that. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what do you think is her flip though that then says she does love him like what 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 is her flip well, it's definitely definitely taking a chance, you know. Yeah, it, it's a very romantic, optimistic portrayal that you can have a connection with someone when you both feel lost. They're young, you know. Yeah, obviously, like they're both kind of in their mid twenties. It seems. Yeah, like. I think he said he's twenty six or something, or yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. So it's a very romantic. Like I, I always looked at it as like, oh, what a what a you know beautiful connection that they have. Um, you could, if you looked at it cynically, like she's in a small town, she wants something different, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's this exciting guy that comes through. Um, and not that she takes advantage of him, but she takes advantage of the fact that he is interested in her to have a little fling, which yeah. is obviously her prerogative. And then she shuts it down when he wants more and she doesn't. Yeah. But, and all, the soundtrack is another thing because Over and Done With is just one of the most perfect music drops yes. ever in a movie. And it fucking hits every time. Every time I watch the movie, even if it's I'm not really paying attention, it's in the background. Man, when the first note of that after Rocky is like, tell Anthony I love him. And Dignan's like, all right, man. Okay. Yeah. And then <laughs> that was... and that, that guitar hits and I'm like, fuck. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> Steals the car and Anthony's like crushed and he's leaving. And you know that he's given the tip to Inez and then it lands on Inez after she has just like bodied this dude and been like, you're fucking trash. I fucked you cause I could. And then it lands on her and she's, you know, she's at her cart and she just has that little emotion. It's so beautifully played. And, it, and then she turns the music off and you're like, so she, it's complicated, right? It's human. Yeah, right. She she felt this. It was a fling, but there was something there. The attention that this guy gave, there was a sweetness to it, right? It could be, it could be worse. Her flings could be with someone who's less attentive, who's less sweet. And then when he leaves, she's like, "Huh, maybe there was something there." Yeah. And and for her to clock his generosity, they're staying at that motel. They don't have a lot of money. Right. He gives her a $500 tip like that. And again, that's not really, you kind of have to think about that at the end of the movie to, to be like, why does she say that? Why does she come back? Why does she want to pursue something with him? Yeah. I, I find that so. Yeah. Cause it's not like he's trying to buy her, her love. He, 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 he thinks he's never going to see her again. I'm just going to give her that and move on. Hopefully it'll help her, you know? Yeah. She... she sees three dudes sleeping in a, in a dingy motel. She knows that they don't come from money and right. $500 as a goodbye. It, I don't know. There's something kind of, it is, it's just weirdly romantic. I just find it, it so endearing how fucking weird certain parts of the movie are. I know it's so quirky and yeah, it's uh, it it, it is or uh, you know, it's comedy, it's you know, crime, it's it's it, but it, it does have romance. Obviously, it's it's got that romantic side, which is yeah, just a, a beautiful touch to the movie. Um, are there and, are there parts like in terms of laughs? 
that you get from the movie? Are there are there parts that like get you every single time? I mean the uh, the kitchen, uh, you know, yeah. as an <laughs> asshole like this, I have a kitchen, uh, <laughs> kitchen like this. Uh, um, when uh, he um, tells um owen wilson about what his sister said uh he said uh what's she done with her life that's so great <laughs> like yeah, man nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um there's yeah there was a few others i meant to write down when i was watching last night um but yeah th- those two for sure how about you uh de- yeah definitely the kitchen one um there, oh, speaking of grace, there is just to, to the one other like huge character trait that gets dropped and like blown past is when Grace is like, uh, you know, she's like, I'm here with some associate with an associate. She's like, Dignan. He's like, Yes, Dignan. Like, why don't you like Dignan? She goes, He's a but he's a liar. And yeah, for a kid to just drop that and be like, yep. He's a liar. And then you see little things where like Dignan is like stretching the truth or telling little white lies to get what he wants. Yep. And you excuse it or you overlook it because he's so quirky and, and so fun and he's the only one with direction. So you kind of naturally are like, you know, following his character. Yeah. But, but back to the funny things. Um, uh, oh, man. Another like tossed away line is when Future Man shows up and uh, and Dignan goes, uh, Dignan turns to Anthony and goes, that's Future Man. And Anthony goes, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> that always fucking gets me. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, of course, it's Bob. They're friends, it's right? Yeah, That's exactly. Uh, yeah, I know. Fuck yeah, we did, we did. We mention that that is the other Wilson brother, folks. That is uh, that is Andrew Wilson, yeah, uh, future man. So there you I go. S- the, I saw him once. Yeah, yeah. I Just sat, from from afar. I went to this like Hollywood <laughs> shorts festival or something. I did this short film that Tony Hale was in and. This is right when that Veep episode had come out. So it was like early 2014. And we're sitting in this Luke Wilson short film played before ours. And we sat down and I, I was so like disoriented. Um, and I like, I, I turned to someone to say something and I, I was like, something in my periphery is off. Yeah. And I turned and Luke Wilson and Andrew Wilson are just staring at me like, don't look at us. <laughs> I'm like, holy fucking shit. And in my head, I was like, that's future man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I love it. Oh, man, that's great. Have you ever met uh, any, anyone else in this film? James Kahn or... or no. Uh, God, I no, would die yeah. if I met Owen Wilson. <laughs> oh, meeting Owen Wilson was You'll like, I'm a there. huge Tom Petty fan. It'd be the same thing if I had met Tom Petty. Yeah, I'm like I'm either going to be silent and respectful. I'm either going to be right. like, how you, how you doing? Because I don't want to be a freak, or I'm going to be like, at at minute 25 of Bottle Rocket, you have a look to your brother Luke Wilson. Was that planned? <laughs> Do you you know like just turn yeah. into this fucking nerd? And I'm like that's that's yeah. always been my fear is that I'm right nerd out so hard, and then people are going to be like you're you're a fat boy like it well that's what when i when i do these interviews like i try to like keep my cool and stuff and like i like you know want to want to ask certain things but yeah but i guess in this setting it, it works better than if you just meet them on the street and you, you start talking to them about you know in in this scene uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh the um i think another big one is when they're when they're the 
cold storage robbery has fallen apart and they're getting back in the elevator and Kumar goes, I blew it. I blew it. I lost my touch. And Dignan yells, did you ever have a touch to lose, man? <laughs> he's so <Yes>. bad. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're like, he's like, who set off the, who set off the alarm? It's a smoke <laughs> alarm. Who set it off? It's because of all this fucking smoke. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, that is brilliant. <laughs> Did you ever have a touch to lose? <laughs> have, oh, that is yeah, that is brilliant. <laughs> there's so many like the lines are so committed to. I think honestly, it's had this like there. You know, there are certain things where you're like, oh man, I didn't realize how profound of an effect that had on me. So there are a lot of bigger things. Like I was a huge Chris Farley fan, and yeah, know, like Faulty Towers and WC Fields and like brain candy and kids in the hall and like where I can track like, Oh, I say things a certain way because that cadence is in my head. Right. But bottle rocket, like the, I, I just adore how they toss stuff away on like with emotional sincerity. Right. Tignan runs out and he's like, Bob's gone. He stole his car. (laughs) You know, like most people would be like, he stole his car. Yeah. They would hit the his. And it's like, he's, he doesn't do that. He, (laughs) It's so, uh, to me, it's so much funnier because it sticks with you because you stop and you're like, you have to think about it for a second. So you absorb it more. Yeah, definitely, man. It's, uh, yeah, there's. <laughs> oh, oh, the other, when uh, he gets made fun of for having the yellow jumpsuit on by Future Man and, and Dignan's like, I'm not always as confident as I look. He's like, did you see what he had on? Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> pretty cool i even i even like when inez first comes into the room i realize this i have been whistling a certain thing my whole life like if i'm just killing time or filling some noise it just clicked this time when i watched it anthony's sitting on the bed when inez is walking up and it's just to fill time as like her cart enters the frame to make this shot less static um, and he goes, he goes like that. And then it's yeah. cut off by her arrival. And I didn't realize for 25 years, that is my like go-to fill, like filler noise. If I, have Oh, wow. So and like you just that do that me, whistle that, and that like really sent me in not a tail, like a positive tailspin where I'm like, what else has this movie done? Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. That yeah, that we do certain things and then we realize the root of it. It's like, oh, that's why I do that, or that. Yeah, that's got to be. Yeah, it's such like a yeah, yeah. Your mind is just blown. It's just like what? <laughs> yeah, there's there's, crazy. there's too many lines like that from this movie, and yeah. they're all they all shed such a beautiful light. They're not played for punchlines. They're all played for like character. Yeah. Um, like when when Dignan, this is another off camera one that kills me. When they're on the bus and Dignan goes, "Driver, what's our ETA?" and he, and the driver goes, seven thirty. <laughs> like even it's the like, driver is annoyed by this dude. Yeah, because he's probably <laughs> asked that like seven times already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> seven thirty. Yeah. Like there, most it'd be like seven thirty. You know. It's yeah. Off, it's ADR. It's off camera or whatever. And it's yeah, there's that such little a thing. It's so specific in her tone it, that lets you again 
put the pieces together that yeah he's probably asked this a uh, hundred times now like <laughs> oh my goodness yeah i'm yeah i'm so glad you picked this movie because yeah it's it's just one of those that just uh i think can go uh, under a lot of people's radar i know it bombed at the box office but then has become yeah, like a cult hit it did um, right? did it yeah have, do you know like what kind of theatrical run it got it, it only i i want to say it only was in like 49 theaters total or something i read earlier wow. something like that something very small um uh only made f- uh, half million dollars at the box office it made wow. <laughs> budget of 5 million dollars so yeah um but yeah i guess it just it still helped their career just because critics loved it. And uh, you even had, uh, uh, I think, Scorsese listed it in his top 10 uh, 90s movies. So, yeah, you get that endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're doing pretty well for yourself. Did it Did it make Criterion Collection? Yeah, yeah. It is uh, it is in the Criterion Collection. So. Like recently, yep. though, right? Didn't it, it's like a... Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was a more re- recent release like a but yeah veterans committee uh selection or something like that <laughs> yeah you exactly know you know what we were wrong this was great well it makes uh me feel old when yeah like classic movies are or we're starting to call these movies classic movies when you know it's it's in the 90s i feel feel so old <laughs> like <laughs> it's a classic movie what <laughs> it's yeah I, I get calling something an instant classic but when you say classic it makes it seem old and yeah but yeah 25 years ago it's like uh, uh, crazy man Shocking. um but uh but yeah uh any any final thoughts on bottle rocket i mean i think this the soundtrack is also yes that was such a gateway for me in my hometown we would pause on the credits write down the the names before the soundtrack came out write down the names of the songs go to disc replay and ask the like you know snobby arrogant clerk like do you have this and he'd be like you've never heard of the band love and he'd be like no what no and he's like (laughs) here's the greatest hits. It's a double album. You probably won't like most of the songs. You're only looking for these two from bottle rocket. And you're like, okay, yeah, I am. <laughs> of course. <laughs> or, <I am. laughs> or the, that proclaimers song. Yeah. Oh, I right. Yep. I definitely bought that Rolling Stones album with 2000 man on it. Also perfect. 2000 man, perfect music drop in that. Oh man. Before drop. being able to just stream music, just buying a whole CD, just to listen to one song. That album. Those were, those were the days. No but offense yeah, that, to Stones fans. That album. That's got to be their worst album. Yeah, it's it's trash. It is trash. <laughs> uh, I, uh, Mick Jagger. I, he might listen to this podcast. You know. Right. You know. I think he might flip it on every now and then. So sorry, Mick. It just it wasn't uh, wasn't your best best outing. So no. But that song is great. And with Mark Mothersbaugh's score, which is. You know, really, there's like Western themes in the score. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the score, yeah, is great, and the, it's like it's like Ennio Morricone or something like that, like the or however I always butcher his name, but yeah, the yeah, like the the, the last yeah. cue when Dignan's walking away, which yep. is a, a reprisal of when Dignan hits him with the blunt end of the screwdriver. 
Oh, right. Yeah. In the field and the car is broken down. Like, that's the first, like, doom, 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 doom. Yep. Like, because yeah, he brought, Mother's Bob brought back all these, like, crazy instruments from, was South America or Central America or. It, and I feel like he, um, he can he he continues to use that in his uh, film filmography uh yeah. like that type of score um and and the the uh, cinematography I wanted to mention too real quick Robert uh Yeoman yeah. he did uh all of Wes Anderson's movies after this um so yeah uh, I I love the red motel with like the green grass backdrop um just i i I just love the colors wes anderson always uses it's just beautiful to look at Um, yeah so camera like there there are four quick things camera wise yeah i'm looking at my notes now but like um after after the heist they're they're on they're on the land and uh, Dignan, it's right before Dignan says, "On the run from Johnny Law, ain't no trip to Cleveland." Yeah, they're, they're in a two shot, and and Dignan says, "And also because he fired me." And it's the big reveal, and they're in a yeah. two shot, and he just swoops in like a banana swoop in and hits Dignan for that line, and it's like, yeah. whoa, that, <laughs> and then and then it and then it uses another angle. Yep. And then it bounces back to that angle and swoops out to catch Anthony walking away. And then it pushes in on dig. It's like, that's, that's yeah. the stuff that like when you're blocking things as an actor and someone has an idea. And if, when you start to know a little bit more and you piece together, like how things are going to look without fucking up your performance. Cause for a lot of, at first you're like, I can't think about that. It's going to fuck up my performance. But once you get a little more comfortable and understand like what the camera is going to do, yeah, thing like that happens, you're like, this is going to look fucking sexy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that the entire sequence when Anthony sees Inez the first time with the, with that song. Um, so hot. Digging yeah. alone in the field, shooting off firecrackers. Oh yes. Yeah. I think that's where you see. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like the red motel with yeah. the green grass and it's just, yeah. Such, so, so nice to look at. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. getting beat up inside while they're talking on the bench right outside the bar. Oh, right. Yep. He's yep. Like, and Amigos, and you cheated. <laughs> <laughs> Just start getting the shit kicked out of him. God, that's such a beautiful scene to to be like, what, what are we, how are we going to do this? Are we going to go inside? Right. Like, you're like, no, let's literally use one setup and the whole yep. thing will play out behind them. And you save like eight hours. I mean, yeah. that that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for bringing him up. He's like, what an incredible absolutely yeah 100 percent um but yeah so so glad you picked it uh and and again i uh uh, big fan of uh righteous gemstones uh love your work in that um uh my wife made me uh say that uh our favorite line is when you are at outback steakhouse and you tell her to enjoy her outback steakhouse meal Good day. Good day. Um, it's just so. Uh, thank you, man. <laughs> thank you. Oh, we were di- we we rewound it like a hundred times uh, just to just to hear that part. So thank you for the joy you have brought us. And again, uh, uh, now I'm just nerding out. Uh, when you were in Parks and Recreation, when you were the uh, politician guy, the <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> terrific. <laughs> you just stare Thanks. in a room. <laughs> Chris Pratt uh, making fun of me. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, that was a good day. That was, that was Are you, uh, I, I see you have a lot of collaborations with Walton Go- Goggins. Are you uh, close to him or is that just coincidence? Is uh, No, I mean, that was like, uh, I mean, it, it was a coincidence of uh, Jake Szymanski directed the first John Bronco. Um, okay. Jonathan Kreisel did the second one. Um, but the first one came, it was like last minute. Like I got like, 24 hour heads up. Jake reached out to me. He had directed me in this part of a campaign for AT&T for March Madness in like 2019, um, where I played this like really stupid uh, sports commentator. It was every third commercial. You get a lot of hate for stuff like that. It's a real like, (laughs) it's a real trade off. Yeah, like it's good for your bank account, and then people are like, "I fucking hate you." And Barstool is like, "Come on the podcast, so we can tell you to kill yourself." And you're like, "Oh my oh, god, okay, guys." Uh, yeah, I'll be right there. Great brand you got here. <laughs> yeah, um, no thanks. Jeez. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was really, it was still really fun. Also, like those, the edits are out of your control. You never, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. People yeah, shitting it's... on an actor for doing a commercial is like get over yourself. Yeah, exactly. But, Jake had done that and it was like 20, it was like a full day of improvising. So he reached out and was like, Hey, will you come to do this thing? It's a mockumentary and you can improvise. I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's like, Walton's in it. I'm like, Oh, great. I never saw Walton that day. Yeah. And then, and then later would text and be like, Hey, I ended up being in this thing and texted him a picture of me with his cardboard cut out. He's like, (laughs) you know, he's like, that's fucking wild, man. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Hey, that's good, man. You know, <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's a total sweetheart. He's really, really supportive. And, you know, anytime yeah. you learn a lot from people like that, when people I'm sure. are older yeah. and more experienced than you and they're kind to you, you're like, Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. It yeah. Teaches you how to treat other people. If you don't, already know to be nice to people <laughs> yeah yeah you would hope that uh it's just a trait you have but yeah. but yeah it, it's, it's it's refreshing when yeah it's, it's generous and that yeah. that whole that whole gemstones crew like it's all it's all really you know generous people like i'm coming in kind of either the youngest or the the kind of you know least experience in the in the industry and uh and people have treated me you know really kindly and generously so it's a yeah it's a good situation to be in. I, I love telling yeah. people that when people are like, I'm a fan. What's it like? And I'm like, it's really good, man. <laughs> it's it's, it's really legitimately group. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you think it would be. <laughs> but uh, And then uh, I know you have to go, but real quick, do you have a, a social media people can follow you on or any projects you're working on you wanted to promote or anything like that? Uh, let's see. Yes. Um, what is my, I always forget this cause they're like one tiny thing different from each other. My Twitter <laughs> is Tim underscore Baltz. My Instagram is Tim dot Baltz. Ooh. Uh, you know, conscious choices. Uh, naturally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, um, I'm pushing, I mean, you know, gemstones, uh, seasons one and two are streaming on HBO max. So go check that out. John Bronco one and two streaming on Hulu. Uh, I did a show years ago. The main thing that moved me out to LA was this show called Shrink. Um, and it's unavailable to stream or purchase anywhere, despite being owned by NBC, who has the power to put it on multiple platforms. So I'm told. Uh, and I'm also told that if you DM me, there's uh, I know a guy who knows a guy who, who knows how to watch it. So. Oh, okay. That's what good to know. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right, my man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Sorry for keeping you so long, but my uh, pleasure. No, it's, not at all. 
yeah it's been an absolute blast my man yeah that was my pleasure man thank you I'm glad that I picked this one this was a great conversation about it Well, there you have it, folks. Tim Baltz on Bottle Rocket. Again, super cool dude, super funny, and uh, insightful on the film. Uh, but uh, we've got a couple guests coming up, a couple of uh, ones that uh, well, I'm passionate about all of them, but uh, there's uh, a certain hockey player uh, I won't mention yet that uh, I grew up with. Uh, that's the jersey right there if you're watching the video. I've had that jersey since I was about 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, and uh, he's coming on the podcast. I get to speak with one of my sports idols. And uh, we're going to talk a movie. But uh, I'll let you know who that is soon. Uh, again, a lot of fun with Tim Baltz. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Blockbuster Mentality. Twitter at Blockbuster Cast. Go to BlockbusterMentality.com. All of those you can find updates on the show. But, all right, folks. Well, that is it for me. For Tim, I'm Ben. And as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies. <laughs>